Well, it's after uh, a preseason uh, contest against San Jose. Uh, Charlotte uh, winning 1-0. Dean Smith with us, the head coach for Charlotte. And uh, the Coachella Invitational, or any preseason, you're in the States now. It must be a little bit different from what you're used to in England. But what has it been like for you as far as getting to know your team, maybe on and off the field? Uh, it's been a little bit different, obviously, being, being over here. Um, you know, but pre-season is normally your best chance to get to know all your players, all your staff, um, get your ideas across to, to both players and staff as well. Um, so having a couple of weeks in, in Miami really helped us. Um, you know, that first two weeks of getting to know everybody uh, and them getting to know me and how I work. So that, that was really um, a big thing for us. It's, I feel for the players a little bit. It's a long time to be away from their families, two weeks in Miami and then, you know, just over two weeks in Coachella as well. Um, but it was really important that, you know, we, we had the one game in Miami against Sporting Kansas and then, you know, we've got four games here against fellow MLS teams, um, which is really important to play them games because it gives me an idea of the standard of what the league is going to be about. Um, you know, I probably had a, uh, an idea what it was going to be about, but until you actually start playing games, you don't know. Yeah, so is it a culture shock? I, I don't know what your... Uh uh, the, the background really of you getting to Charlotte. I know there was some familiarity because of your son, but uh, how did it all work out? Yeah, so th the familiarity is uh, my son came over here six years ago to, to go to college, a small college in South Carolina called Limestone. Um, 18 months later, he, he got moved, he got transferred to NC State in D1 in Raleigh. Um, so me and my wife have been constant viewers of uh, college football at, at 1am in the morning in the UK, uh, you know, watching our son. And whenever we've had the opportunity, it's been about flying over and spending some time with him. You know, he used to play in the summer for Asheville, um, you know, uh, based in Raleigh when he was at NC State. And, and now he's, he's graduated and turned pro with, with Greenville Triumph in the USL League. So... Um, you know, another wonderful place to visit in the Carolinas for us. So, um, yeah, you know, we're acclimatized to, to the Carolinas area and uh, even 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 more so we bought a place in Myrtle Beach uh, about 18 months wow. ago as well. Right. So, yeah, and, uh, I'm a keen golfer as well. So, uh, you know, it, it had its Well, where you're staying here, Indian Wells, I don't know, but it did, I heard the uh, celebrity course is... Uh, Phenomenal. Yeah, I've not been on it yet. We're, I'm hoping to get on it tomorrow. I've, right. been, I've been on the uh, the players' course already with Bobby Belair, who's a very good golfer. Um, so, so yeah, it, it's quite nice. So you watch collegiate soccer. I'm just curious, when you watched your first game and you saw the clock counting down and you saw all these substitutions going on in either half, what did you think? Um, it was different, that was for sure. Uh, yeah, you know, going to watch the games and watching uh, watching live and seeing players roll on and roll off as subs and and the clock counts as well. It was very different. Um, but I, you know, I couldn't have asked for you know a, a better two places for my son to go. You know, he was well looked after at both the colleges, and you know, he matured an awful lot by coming over here and, and joining them them colleges. Before we get to your current team, Dean, and we're with Dean Smith, head coach, uh, Charlotte FC, I would like to take you back to, to England and Aston Villa in particular. That seems to be the uh, notable spot for you based on the fact that 
uh, the team earned pro uh, promotion uh, under your guidance, uh, 15th in the table in the championship, and then getting up to that playoff final and getting in. I'm wondering, can you describe some of the lessons as a coach that you learned from what is adversity to be that low in the table and then work your way up, and how those lessons might now be shared with your current team? I suppose it's experience all the way. It, it's always experience, and, you know, no club is the same. You know, uh, with all the clubs, all the, all the football clubs or soccer clubs I've worked with, none of them have actually been the same. There's always something different. Uh, you know, when I first started in management and coaching, you know, I was at my first club I played for, Warsaw, in, in the lower levels. But, you know, you were doing everything. You were picking teams, you were scouting, you were recruiting. You know, so I, I was even doing the budgets there. Uh, and then you go to a, a club like Brentford, and I learned so much from them who had two sporting directors, which is, you know, um, not very common. Um, so we're going into a club that already had a style of play in place. So that was different in itself. And then to go to Villa and, you know, the pressure at Villa was just, right, you've got a two and a half year contract, you've got two and a half years to, to get us promoted. Um, so Although, as we all know, that even though that's what's said at the beginning, that's not always the way it's might, it not, might go. No, in my head it was, you know, this season and the following season, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, but I went into there with my eyes wide open. It was my club as, as, a, as a kid. My dad was a steward there. All my family and friends are Aston Villa fans as well. So um, it was a big jump for me to go there and, and you know, thoroughly enjoyed it um, being my club in the record books for winning 10 matches on the on the spin as well which had never been done you know at, at the club so uh, to get them promoted my first season was was uh, tremendous but you know I always say the following season was the hardest the first one in the in the EPL um you know we had to get 12 13 new players um because a lot of the players that had got us up were on loan so all of a sudden we had to rebuild a squad that was capable of staying in the in the Premier League, which is a tough thing to do. And I I, I say my biggest achievement was probably keeping them up that following season. Yeah, and your your keen eye for maybe scouting and, and finding players that you think will fit into what you're trying to do, which is going to be a critical aspect of what you do here. I think of Ollie Watkins first of all, who has really developed into a, a top. Goal scorer. Yeah, no, he's it. and I've signed Ollie twice. I I signed him at Brentford from Exeter, who we were playing in League Two, and then obviously he became the record signing at Aston Villa when I signed him there as well. I think it was for thirty million then as well. So, um, and it's it's great for me. I keep in regular touch with him, um, and it's great to see him doing so well. And I'm sure he'll be um, you know in the in the Euros with with England in the summer. Your first press conference here was Charlotte, and, and we're talking about players that you worked with, like an Ollie Watkins. You, you talked about how your uh, job is to develop players, mm -hmm. but sometimes that blend of development of the individual and then winning the soccer matches to the level where the club is moving forward seems to be something that is a challenge. Uh, so how, how do you manage it that way? Yeah, it is a challenge if you let it be. I, I believe both of them go hand in hand because if you're developing the player, then the player gets better, the team get better. And if the team get better, you've got a better chance of getting results. Um, 
you know, and I've spoke many times about this before. Um, one of my first conversations when I went into Aston Villa was with Jack Grealish, who, you know, was a young player, but real talented individual and my first conversation I showed him a clip of a game that or the previous game before I came to the club and I I asked he was receiving the ball from the centre-backs and uh, I said you know if I was the opposition head coach what would I be thinking and he said you'd probably be happy I said why is that he said well they've still got 11 men behind the ball I said exactly and you're my you know um you're my player that can go and create something out of nothing and score goals. I said, how many goals have you got this season? Zero. How many assists have you got? One. I said, well, listen, if you want to go and achieve what you want to achieve, and I knew how ambitious he was to go and play in the Champions League, play for England, you've got to get them numbers up, you know. And, you know, a light switched on with him. And from there, you know, he went and blossomed and he would be one of the ones who was pushing me as a coach to, to make him better. But you, from a coaching standpoint, you forced him to really realize it and talk about it rather than you tell him. He told you, which is, I'm sensing, is part of your, uh, part of how how you coach. It it is. I, I, I think, you know, once you find a common goal between yourself and that player, there's more of a buy in. And once you've got that buy in, then there's an agreement. And they, you know, if ever they. They slack off, um, you know, in terms of training of, of what that goal has been. You can say, remember what we agreed. Uh, remember what you told me, where you want to get to. And I think it's such a big, powerful thing to have. And, uh, you know, that's the way I, I believe, you know, uh, we, we can coach and, and, and teach. Dean Smith, head coach Charlotte FC, with us here on the MLS Preview. I'm Glenn Crooks. The way you want to play versus the way you can play with your personnel. So I'm sure you have a way you want to play. So how close do you think you're going to be able to come to that um, finality uh, with your current squad? And uh, and again, now we get into that challenge again. You, you, you can't do with what you don't have. No, I, I think the way I want to play and the style of what I want will be forever evolving. Um, you know, I, I, I that's don't, good to hear. Yeah, I, I don't think you know Jurgen Klopp or Pep Guardiola will ever say that they're satisfied, and we're not because we're always looking for something better. Um, you know, and I'm no difference. I have a, an idea of the style of play that I want, and you know, uh, we have got players that have got good potential who can grow into into better players. But I also know that once they do that, then. They may they may leave the football club, and you have to get other players in to, to come and do that. So there's there's the continuity that we will have is the style of play, not so much the the system of play. I'm not big that you have to play, you know, four four two, four one four one, four three three. Yeah, I, I think it has to be the style. I think it's easier then for the players to to have an idea of that concept and and go with it. You used the word adaptable in your press, or do, does that mean adapt to the opponent, adapt to the environment? What, what, what do you mean by that? It's a little bit of both because, you know, what you can control is what you do. What you can't control is, is what the opposition are going to do. So we have an idea of what, you know, New York City, for instance, might play or how they might play in that first game against us. Um, but what we can control is sometimes how we defend without the ball and where we want to send them without the ball. Um, you know, and that plan may change from game to game, you know, because one team 
we might we might want to go and press high, um, but once he might not play out from the back, so you have to go and adapt to different games. Um, but the style, as I said, is going to be one where if we lose the ball, we counter press to win the ball back, and if we win the ball back quickly, how quickly can then we go and progress to go and score the goal? And that will never change. I suppose this goes back to development. I want to ask you about Enzo Capetti because when when I see him play, I, there's he, he just seems like such a, a durable, uh, all the tools of the number nine that you want. However, I've also seen him maybe not always turned on. This is just my experience of watching him. How can you make a guy like that flourish? Because he's obviously a, a big part of your plans. Again, first, the first question we spoke about was you know, that human element first, finding what makes him tick, what, you know, uh, what turns him on in a football sense. Um, you know, he's super strength, he's running in behind. You, know, you, you look at him, that's what he does. He can run all day. Um, you know, what he needs to tidy up is when the ball comes up to him and making it stick and setting it off and, and connecting a, a pass. Um, but also where to run and when to run because he wants to go and press. But at times we, we want to go and press when we think it's the right time because otherwise he can just go, he, if he goes on his own, then he'll just get popped around and they go and play into the space what he's just left. So it's uh, you know, a little bit of education about me knowing what he likes, but also knowing what we want as well. Can I pry a little bit about uh, pressure? Uh, the triggers, the visual cues, whatever words you use to your players, why is it so difficult? I, I'm, I'm just asking that from the standpoint of you're looking at a situation, maybe the ball, the, the pass is played without enough pace, you go. Maybe it's a little off target, you go. And you stay connected from front to back. But, but it, it's, it, it's difficult, I know. But, it, it, but it why is. is it so difficult? Uh, because uh, football's... Um We've got 11 players who you want, to, you want to be connected all the time. When you haven't got the ball, you want to be compact and not allow teams to play through you. Um, but sometimes it just takes one little lapse in concentration right. for that to fail and one passing lane to open up. And then once they pass through that passing lane, then three of your players might be out of the game. Um, you know, so it's then about getting back into shape and getting back behind the ball until you can set them pressing triggers again. One more player I'd like to ask about because he really made a, an impression on uh, the United States of America for those who watch the U-17 World Cup, uh, Nifasha Berkimas, who is in here starting 11 today uh, for the um, preseason uh, game against San Jose. Uh, where is he at and how do you feel like you can help him as well? Is he? Do you think he's ready or is there more time needed for him, a player like well, him? Well, I, I can honestly... I can tell you the truth that there was a few, more than a few eyebrows raised by my my fellow coaches when I said I was going to start him. Um, you know, somebody of 15 years of age, you know, and I said, go on, be honest, ask me, ask me any questions about why I'm starting, and they weren't sure he was ready. But I, I've always been that you don't know whether they're ready unless you try them, give them that opportunity. I've liked what I've seen from him in training so far. He's a fast twitch player. He can press very quickly because he's got real good acceleration. He handles the ball well. Um, you know, 
we're still coaching him. We're, he's still learning and he's still developing, and, and you know he's still got years of maturation to come, which is really more exciting. You know, being 15 years old. Uh, but I just like to give people that opportunity when I see them doing so well in training, and I thought he was really good today. Are you a proponent of the old proverb, uh, if you're good enough, you're old enough? No, oh, without a shadow. You know, Wayne Rooney gets his chance at 16 years of age at Everton. Um, you know, if somebody didn't give him that chance, who knows how, how his career would go. And they need that opportunity to go and play. One thing I've, I have noticed, it is a little bit different, obviously, because of the college system here. Some players, you know, don't come through till 22 years old. And, yeah. you know, in Europe, at 22 years old, some players can have 150 first-team appearances, you know. So there is a difference there, but I know now the system is changing a little bit. Awesome. Brilliant. Thank you so much.